Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Since 1937, MUCC has been committed to conserve, protect, and enhance Michigan's natural resources and outdoor heritage. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome once again to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of the good folks from MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs, a group that I am a member of. I support uh, their activities, and I'm also very pleased that MUCC is in the hands of what I consider to be good, solid leadership. I'm talking specifically right now about their executive director, Dan Eichinger, who joins us on this edition of the podcast. Dan, a very, uh, well, first of all, welcome to the podcast. A very, a very interesting time going on right here in Michigan, isn't it? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Well, you know, yesterday was election day, so I think we're all kind of uh, digesting the results of, uh, you know, what happened yesterday uh, at the state level and and to some extent at the national level and what that's going to mean for conservation over the next couple of years. So for people like me who kind of nerd out on this stuff, it was a it was a long night, but election nights always are a long night because I watch returns come in from <laughs> Michigan and and then across the rest of the country too. So. But it's it's fun if you're a political junkie. This is uh, this is kind of what this is the Super Bowl, and it only happens every other year. So, well, tell me what um, what have you taken away from this so far? Well, obviously, you know, with at the at the statewide level in Michigan, um, you know, a lot of turnover there. You had the Democrats sweeping all the statewide races uh, last night from uh, with uh, Governor Elect Whitmer and um, Secretary of State Elect Benson and Attorney General Elect Nessel. Uh, Senator Stabenow was reelected uh, also last night in her race against John James. Senator Stabenow has been someone that we've worked with uh, for uh, pretty much her entire term as a U.S. senator. She's been um, one of the architects of the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, which is something we've talked about here um, on the podcast. So um, certainly, you know, Senator Stabenow is uh, well known to us and, um, you know, we've appreciated her leadership on Great Lakes issues in particular, and we'll look forward to working with her. And then, you know, obviously with the change in administration, a lot of focus is going to be on Governor-elect Whitmer and, and how she builds her cabinet and her team. And um, that will have a lot of influence on, you know, what our, you know, what our next couple of years are going to look like. Do you have, you as MUCC, do you have any type of a history with uh, Governor-elect uh, Whitmer at all at this point, Dan? She was not someone that we interacted with uh, a whole lot during her time in either the House or the Senate. Um, you know, the way that it, it ends up shaking out a lot of times here is if, if if folks are serving on like the natural resources committees, those are the folks that we get to know because um, we see them, you know, every week we're working with them on, on particular bills and pieces of legislation. And there are whole, um, you know, dozens of legislators that we just don't interact with on a real regular basis to develop kind of a working history. And that's just kind of by virtue of, you know, how the committees are structured and who's on those committees. And uh, Governor-elect Whitmer was not someone who served on any of the natural resources committees. Um, so she wasn't someone that we interfaced with a whole lot, but obviously she's talked a lot about uh, clean water and water for the Great Lakes. Um, that's been something that's been featured in her campaign, so I'm sure that's an area that uh, 
that we'll be working with her on because that's a, an area of great interest to our members, and we'll, you know we'll look forward to communicating with her about what her plans are and and what our what our goals are are for freshwater and for our Great Lakes as well. Because you don't have a relationship with her at this point, does that cause you concern, or do you look at hey, this is a situation where um, we can walk into this with a clean slate? And I don't want to say. I certainly don't want to say that to mold the conversation, but maybe take it in a direction that is um, favorable for us as um, as outdoor enthusiasts. Well, it's, um, you know, I think, you know, kind of regardless of what your political feelings are um, on the partisan side, you know, we, you know, we commit to work with whomever it is that the voters give us to work with, um, whether they be a Republican or a Democrat. So I think, you know, we'll we'll look to developing our relationship with the governor-elect and, and go into that with a lot of optimism and, and see what we can advance in terms of our agenda for conservation, for hunting and fishing and preserving our outdoor heritage. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, she's going to have her priorities as it relates to the natural resources and the conservation and those issues as well. But I think as an organization, MUCC has been a group that's been able to work on both sides of the aisle. Um, and, uh, you know, we I think we are uh, have a lot of credibility and have built up a lot of credibility over the years. So I think um, we'll find a lot of areas to work with uh, the governor-elect and her team. And um, and we look forward to working with all the new elected members of the legislature. We've got a lot of friends who are returning. Uh, we've got some new faces that we'll have to get to know. And um, there's just a lot of, you know, there's always a lot of opportunity at this time of year. And, you know, we'll just look to make the most of it. When a uh, candidate makes um, campaign pledges about uh, clean water, is that something then, w- once she is elected, in this case she, is that something then that you try to hold them to? This is something, hey, you, you talked about this during the campaign. Now let's see what you can do about it. Yeah, I mean, certainly when you hear candidates that are, are talking about issues that, you know, you care about, that are part of your agenda, that, that are things that your members are communicating with you about, um, that's certainly something that, uh, you know, we will follow up with anybody about those things. And, and uh, you know, campaigning is a lot about, you know, putting, the, putting big ideas out there and, you know, the, the hard work really begins now where uh, I'm sure she and her transition team are going to be working to try and develop um, develop and refine those ideas so that they can be implemented. Um, and we'll certainly be engaged with her in that conversation about uh, where, you know, where her clean water and fresh water priorities overlay with what our priorities as well, you know, you know, this issue about PFAS is something that we're hearing a lot about from our members now. There was that deer that was found up in uh, Iosco County that had high levels of PFAS in that muscle tissue. Um, there's certainly a nexus with, with water quality and clean water there. Um, when we talk about the algal blooms that we've seen in Lake Erie and to some extent in Saginaw Bay and a lot of other places around the state of Michigan, there's certainly a nexus with water quality and clean water there on that issue. Um, so I think we're going to find a lot of places where we can where we can work um, to advance kind of what some of our concerns are and, and map that on to where, uh, where Governor-elect Whitmer wants to take that platform agenda for her. This is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, the presentation of MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Clubs. If you want to learn more about MUCC, check out the website MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. Also, MichiganOutofdoors.com. On Facebook, Facebook.com slash MUCC1937. And on Instagram at MUCC1937. We're talking with 
uh, MUCC Executive Director Dan Eichinger about uh, the um, the elections that we've just gone through. Uh, Dan, one thing I find interesting, and I'm not sure that um, uh, non-political types realize this, but the DNR, the uh, director of the DNR, that is actually a political appointment, isn't it? It is now. There was a, a change that was made under an executive reorganization order that was issued uh, towards the end of the Granholm administration that moved uh, the Natural Resources Commission kind of uh, from o- kind of overseeing the department to kind of functioning within the department, if that kind of makes sense. It used to be that the, the, the NRC uh, was responsible for selecting the director of the Department of Natural Resources. Under that executive reorganization order, uh, that authority um, was taken away from the NRC and kind of retained for uh, for the governor. And that you know that action ten years ago kind of over overturned about sixty sixty or so years of precedent where the NRC had been the one to appoint uh, the director. So um, you know that's unlikely to change. I think probably going forward. Um, so that's one of the things that uh, we and others in, in in the conservation community will want to be talking to uh, Governor Elect Whitmer about the the qualities that we'd like to see in an individual who's selected to lead that agency. Um, the DNR, as, as, as all of us know, who are, are sportsmen and outdoors people, that we interface and interact with the department a lot and, and probably, you know, interact more than just about any other state agents, you know, a, a group of the public or, you know, stakeholders interact probably more with the Department of Natural Resources than, than any other stakeholder group interacts with a state agency. And so, you know, the the types of people and the qualities of those individuals who are leading that agency are very important to us in the community so that we can have, you know, good and open dialogue. There's a lot of partnership that exists. Um, there are a lot of points of difference that exist between the stakeholders and the department, and we have to be able to work those work those out and have good open lines of communication. So, you know, we'll just want to be kind of reflecting the values that the stakeholders and, and other folks that we represent have to Governor-elect Whitmer as she's making a determination about who who it is she will select to lead that agency. Uh, Dan, how much um, impact does the DNR director, as a political appointee, how much of their impact is felt across the department? They are, you know, there's a, there's a certain element of the functioning of any state agency that's just sort of, you know, it's, it, it, it's you know, bureaucratic and administrative. And so there are just processes that kind of are underway and, and, and that kind of thing. But uh, a lot of what the, the director can do, um, they have a lot of, you know, they're, they're interacting a lot with the legislature who, you know, have, have a lot to do and a lot to say over what happens with the department. They kind of set the tone for openness and transparency. Um, they set the tone for uh, how willing the agency is going to be to you know, sustain the partnerships that the department has with with groups like MUCC and, and other groups that we work with. Um, so a lot of that tone gets set by by the director. Um, it's a big agency. It's a complex agency. There's a lot of functions there. Um, so I, I, you know, I think you know who the who who leads that agency is is awfully important. Um, it's important internally to the staff that are working in the department, but then externally, as we just talked about, there's so many kind of public-facing responsibilities within that agency that that individual has to be kind of comfortable in that environment. 
They have to be, uh, have I think, having relationships with groups like MUCC and a lot of the other groups that work w- in and around the Department of Natural Resources are important. Someone who's got a, you know, kind of a good hand with the legislature, I think, is important. So, you know, those are those are all pretty special qualities, and and they're they're very important to those of us in this community. With the um, the different challenges on the horizon right now, CWD, chronic wasting disease, the PFAS you've talked about, the 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 algal blooms. Um, we don't want to spend a lot of time. We don't want to waste a lot of time, right? We want. I, I would think you want this organization, this administration, to hit the ground running and get moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there's there's an awful lot that is on the department's plate right now. There's a lot that's keeping um, a, a lot of us in in the outdoor community awake at night, worrying about some of these problems, some of these challenges that we're trying to confront. Um, you know, I did read today that um, you know when Governor Snyder congratulated uh, Governor-elect Whitmer that he pledged that uh, his team would fully avail themselves to help um, ensure a smooth transition and effective transmission or transition. Um, and I think that uh, I think that speaks to the character of the current administration that they you know they view it important to make sure that there's continuity in the government, that there's continuity in some of these priorities, that some of these challenges that we're dealing with um, don't have a political flavor to them. Chronic wasting disease certainly doesn't. PFAS certainly doesn't. Um, those kinds of things, um, you know, that, uh, the, the need to deal with those issues or the, the need to prioritize those issues um, don't, aren't, aren't influenced really by, um, by what happens on the second Tuesday in November. So it's really important, um, I think, that we have a good transition here, and I think that we will. And, and the other thing that I would say is that's where that's one of the roles that we in this conservation community play is to help um, right from right coming out of the gates to support and and work within and and help to guide uh, and influence um, dealing with these issues right from right from day one. Um, that's that's kind of why we're here. That's one of the important roles that I think all of us play is to help. Uh, kind of be some of the institutional knowledge and the institutional history on some of these issues that extend well beyond, uh, you know, an elected term of office. So, you know, these issues that we deal with are really long term. They're really long lasting. Some of the impacts from our actions have, you know, are delayed. We don't always see how our action today is going to influence something on the landscape 10 years from now. But that's the kind of that's the kind of history and that's the kind of continuity that we in the conservation community try and bring forward to help help make sure that the people who are leading those departments and those agencies um, are well supported and have a full full appreciation and understanding of some of these issues. Dan, you bring up the uh, outgoing administration, uh, Governor Snyder. How did he do now that you've had a chance to uh, give him a report card? Was he a friend of ours? Was he a friend of conservation, of hunting and fishing and shooting and trapping and wildlife issues? Yeah, on the whole, I would say so. I mean, he, you know, he and, and the team prioritized things like uh, Asian carp and Michigan emerged again as a leader in trying to compel action on, on Asian carp. Um, you know, we got a lot of expansions to uh, hunting, hunter opportunity uh, under the Snyder administration. I think that was, uh, that was certainly a net positive. Um, you know, so I think on the whole, when you look at, you know, what the sportsman's issues are in the state of Michigan, um, I, you know, I think we've come out, um, we've come out just fine under the Snyder administration. There were big challenges that were happening in, in other parts of public life that, um, that sometimes command more attention than natural resources issues do. But nevertheless, we had a, we've had a couple of pretty big um, 
pretty big focus areas on things like invasive species and Asian carp. We got some of the land use. We finally kind of this year put, put to bed some of the land use and land management issues that we've been dealing with for about eight or 10 years now. Those things all happened um, through, you know, our work with the legislature and our work with this current administration. So, you know, on the whole, I think, you know, we've done pretty well. This is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. We're talking with MUCC Executive Director Dan Eichinger. If you want to learn more, check out the website MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. On Facebook, facebook.com slash MUCC1937. And on Instagram at MUCC1937. We're talking about this uh, midterm election and the results and how it affects us as outdoors men and women. Uh, Dan, so far we've talked at the state level. Let's look at the national level a little bit. Um, who we put into uh, Congress and the Senate in Washington, how much does that impact us? How much does that actually affect us back here in Michigan? Well, you know, certainly at the Senate level, that makes it's it's a big deal. You know, you're you're talking about a pretty exclusive club there. Michigan gets two of 100 U.S. senators, so you know those Senate races mean a lot. Seniority is important in the Senate. Um, you know, we're sending uh, Senator Stabenow back back to Washington. Um, she'll continue to work because the at nationally the Democrats didn't take control of the Senate, so she'll continue to work from her position in the minority. You know, that can be a little bit of a disadvantage or can be a disadvantage for, you know, when you're working in the minority, you're able to set uh, committee agendas. You're not able to set some of those priorities. Um, so, you know, certainly, you know, that's uh, that that could influence, um, you know, how Michigan plays uh, in the U.S. Senate on uh, the Congress side. Um, the Democrats did take uh, did take the House there, and so kind of all the things I just said about the Senate will become essentially true for for the Congress, where um, you know we're going to see you know we're going to see some new faces that are representing Michigan in the Congress, and we'll have to see kind of what their priority is, um, and then we're going to see you know some members whom we've relied on um, for some pretty important issues. We've had Congressman Bergman kind of leading the charge for us on. Uh, the Cormorant issue up through the Straits area. Um, he'll he'll now be serving out of the minority. Uh, Congressman Molinar has been someone who's been pretty reliable for us on Great Lakes restoration issues. Congressman uh, Heisinga over on the west side of the state, um, same deal. Um, big-time proponent for Asian carp control, big-time proponent for the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative. So those folks will be losing the majority, and so their ability to, you know, focus on those issues, continue to prioritize them at the committee level, that's going to change with the change in control. Um, but, you know, this is just kind of the environment that we always work in. You know, it's, you know, political environments are dynamic by nature. There's really not a lot of stasis there. So, you know, that's why an organization like MUCC, we work in a totally nonpartisan fashion. We've got great champions on both sides of the aisle, and it's just a matter of us continuing to work in that way so that we can be successful and advance the cause of conservation, uh, almost regardless of which party is happens to be in control at that particular time. Dan, we were talking at the, uh, at the federal level about uh, people in the different positions. What about here in Michigan? Did we lose any friends? Have we gained any friends at the state level? Well, you know, as far as the the partisan control is concerned for the legislature, the Senate and the House will stay in uh, Republican control. Uh, so basically status quo um, from that standpoint, the margins changed a little bit. They got a little bit tighter in both the Senate and the House uh, with the Democrats netting a few seats in, in, in both. Um, 
you know, with term limits, we get a lot of changeover. So we see some folks go away. We see some folks come back because they're moving into a new office. Um, so we'll have a little bit of that over on the Senate side as we got, you know, folks like John Bumstead over on the west side of the state uh, who has uh, served six years in the House and was the Natural Resources Appropriations Committee chair. He'll be taking over in the Senate, likely to be in the mix uh, in some way for, for one of those natural resources-oriented committees. Um, but, you know, essentially, you know, status quo. So, you know, we'll still be working. Um, I would expect that we'll continue to work with Representative Howell as the chair of the House Natural Resources Committee. He's been someone who's been a great friend uh, to not only MUCC, but all the hunters and anglers in the state of Michigan. Um, we'll have a lot of committee changeover in the Senate. Most of the Senate Natural Resources Committee, with the exception of one member, is termed out of office. So have a lot of change over, uh, over there. Um, but most of the folks who've been elected to the Senate now uh, are folks who had some time in the House. So we've got some relationships that way. So, you know, we'll have to kind of see how the committee assignment process shakes itself out here in January and, um, you know, see what those committee chairs want to prioritize and what they want to work with. And we'll have our list ready to go of things that we want to try and work on in the upcoming session. So, um, you know, it's just kind of worth noting that um, even though the Democrats did sweep uh, at the statewide level, um, control of both the House and the Senate, basically status quo, um, they're in GOP control. The margins are a little bit tighter, but, but status quo, so we'll have a divided government uh, going forward in January. But you can't, Dan. You can't work in a void. You can't work in a vacuum. You need, you need some, you need help and support from hunters and anglers in Michigan. In order for you to have any clout with these politicians we've been talking about, you have to have a strong and growing membership base. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's that's hugely important. Um, you know, when we're working with any elected official at any level, state or federal. Um, the fact that we have a broad, diverse uh, grassroots network of hunters, anglers, and conservationists in Michigan uh, captures their attention, uh, helps to ensure our seat at the table. Um, and the other thing, too, is that, it, you know, when we have issues that we need people to act on, when we need, when we need to generate phone calls into a, a, a legislator's office, when we need to uh, generate email contacts, when we need people to show up to a meeting or show up to a town hall, that, again, is where that grassroots network and the, and the membership network of MUCC really is important and is relied upon by, um, you know, not only us on staff, but then all the other partner organizations that we work with. Um, so, uh, you know, if you're a hunter, angler, trapper, conservationist in the state of Michigan, we need you to be involved in some way in this community. You can do that by becoming a member of MUCC because we are going to be uh, all over these issues as we always are. We we kind of work these issues 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're always looking for opportunities to get um, the priorities of Michigan's hunters and anglers in front of our elected officials and make sure they know who you are uh, so that when they're going in and pushing a green button or a red button on a bill, they've got you in mind when they're doing it. Um, that's exactly what we want. And that only happens when we've got people who are fully engaged and participating, uh, members of our organization, so that they're getting our email updates. They know what's happening. Um, and they can be connected directly with us and other members in their area so that we can create a community around these issues. And that's, that's really important when we're dealing with some of the highly complex things that we have to confront in the natural resources world. And we're talking just a few bucks a year for membership. It's not like, uh, it's not like we're talking hundreds of dollars a year to join MUCC. 
No, not at all. For $30 a year, you can get what I would describe as the best lobbying team in Lansing. Um, we've, we've got a great team here, really talented staff, and you know we've got 80 years of history and, and, and respect and credibility behind the, the brand of MUCC. Um, you know, it's it's cheaper than a than a box of um, you know deer seasons coming up here, or firearm seasons coming up here next week Thursday. If anybody's bought rifle cartridges lately, you know you're going to spend <laughs> twenty five, thirty five, forty dollars or more. Uh, for thirty bucks, you can become a member of MUCC. Uh, guarantee that your voice is being heard by those who need to hear it. Well, Dan, I got to tell you, um, I take solace in the fact that MUCC is in Lansing and in Washington. With a new administration coming in, I don't know what to expect. There's a little trepidation there, but I know that MUCC is there keeping an eye on things, and that makes me feel better, so I thank you for that. Thanks, Mike. All right, Dan Eichinger, I appreciate you joining us on this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Again, if you want to learn more about these issues and more, check out the website MUCC.org, MUCC.org, also MichiganOutOfDoors.com. Uh, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MUCC1937, and on Instagram at MUCC1937. Again, a special thank you to Dan Eichinger for joining us on this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. <laughs>